Good morning, Embrace. Good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. I invite you to stand with us. We're going to just start, start things off here uh, by reading a confession. Oh, my name is Laban, by the way. I'm the worship leader here at the church. So glad you joined us. Uh, there'll be a confession that we're going to read together on the, on the screen up there. I'll read the first part and you read the, the bolded part with me. Let's open our, open our hearts to, to be in this place and worship the Lord together. O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. And teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above praise the mountain fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming to arrive at home. And Jesus saw me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. Were he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious Seal it, seal it 
it for thy courts above. Oh, here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I invite you to join in reading this confession together. I'll read the first part. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We're going to move into a time of gratitude and lament, and this is a time where you can, uh, you can meet someone right, right around you. You don't have to move too far, um, but it's an opportunity to uh, yeah, maybe say something that's going on in your life that you might be grateful for or something that you're lamenting, something difficult, something you see in the world that isn't right. Um, and this is a time, uh, yeah, feel free to, to share that with someone, um, and this could, be, could push you a little bit if you don't love just talking to new people. I certainly know what that feels like, but um, just know this is a, a way to worship God and for the, the body to be connected. And I think it's a beautiful thing um, to see us sharing our gratitudes and laments with one another. And if you don't know what to say, you don't really have to respond other than saying, thank you for sharing. That is an acceptable response. Uh, so yeah, let's share some gratitudes and laments with one another.
Take just a couple more moments to wrap up your conversations. I invite you to stand with us. Let's sing, Oh Happy Day. 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 When Jesus walked. When Jesus walked. Oh, when he walked. When Jesus walked. When Jesus walked. He washed my sins away. Happy day, oh 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 happy day, when Jesus walked, when Jesus walked, oh when he Jesus walked, when Jesus walked, when Jesus walked, you walked, oh happy day. And he taught me how to watch, fight, and pray. And live rejoicing every day. Happy day, oh happy day, oh happy day, when Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, oh when he washed, when Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away, oh happy day, oh happy day. taught me how to watch, fight, and pray, and live rejoicing every day. Day. Oh, happy 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 day.
day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Bye. 
Amen. What I'd like to do now um, is I want to dismiss our children for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. So if you are a child who's four years old all the way through fifth grade, you're invited to go upstairs for your own time of learning in the Wonder Room this morning. If you are a parent um, and you would like to walk up with your child to check it out um, and make sure they get checked in and everything, that would be great. Um, So y'all can meet over here. Um, As they're coming over, y'all can go ahead and have a seat. So before we have our time of prayer this morning, I would like to just highlight a couple of things in our community that are important. Um, If you have an announcement sheet, I would love for you to get that out because there's a couple of things on there I want to highlight. um, Important, I want to make sure you hear them. And so the first is that we are doing um, some strategic planning as a lead team and Basically, what that means is we're kind of looking at the big picture. We're trying to kind of think about who we are as a church, what our values are, what our mission, our vision, and kind of think about who we want to be 
in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years down the road, and even thinking further. And so we're really excited to be in this process, and we wanted to hear a little bit from you all about what you think about our church and ideas you might have for our congregation. And so this morning in our weekly email, we sent out um, our announcements, and in that email is a link that you can click on to fill out a Google form um, that will get back to us, and we're going to take all that data and kind of use that to help inform and guide some of our conversation for a kind of an all-day thing we're doing in November. And so if you could do that, that would be wonderful. Um, if you do not like technology and you're like, I don't know how to click, what is a link, you know, if that's kind of where you're at, then we have paper copies for you, okay? Um, I would prefer you to do online if you have the ability, because it'll be easier to kind of compile that data. Um, but we do have paper copies at both welcome tables. You can grab one on your way out. It shouldn't take you too long. I'd say 10 to 15 minutes um, at the most, unless you're just really sharing lots. If, and you can do that. You can take two hours on it if you'd like. But I'd love if you all could do that. That's really going to help us as we continue to discern and, and think about who, who we are and kind of where we as a congregation. Um, it's a really just uh, awesome moment that we're in right now in the life of our church. Another thing I want to mention is we have our All Saints Day open mic coming up on Saturday. So in just a little under a week, we're going to be here in the sanctuary. We're going to have an open mic night, and that is for folks who want to share uh, something uh, with the congregation. And what we're doing is uh, we want to dedicate whatever you share to someone who is a saint in your life. We recognize that as just humans, like we are connected to so many people, like we cannot be us without others. And so we have this great cloud of witnesses that have come before us, that are still alive today, that have informed and kind of guided us in our spiritual journeys, helped us become who we are. And so at our All Saints Day open mic, we're going to dedicate whatever we share uh, to a saint in your life. So someone who's kind of played an influential role in your spiritual journey. And so um, the song or the whatever you share doesn't necessarily have to connect to that person uh, it's just an opportunity for you to give honor to, to a saint in your life. And so you could sing a song, you could share a story, you could share a poem, you could share a quote you really like, share a really uh, short testimony if you would like, things that you could do um, in, in, as a part of that. And so I encourage you all to, to think about it. There is a sign-up sheet at both. I'm going to change my mic because this thing keeps going in and out. Um, So I encourage you all to sign up. Christina is going to be taking all that and then creating kind of an order for, us, for our event. And so if you show up and you really want to share something, we might have time. But if you want to do it, we really need you all to sign up ahead of time. Um, so you have this week to kind of think about it. But let us know. Um, Christina's email is in the announcements also. And then the final thing I'd like to just mention, and this is just a really meaningful thing we started last year, is that on All Saints Day Sunday, which will be the following Sunday, so next Sunday, we're going to read um, an, a litany together, like a prayer, and we're going to give honor to all the people in our lives that have passed away since the last time we gathered on All Saints Day last November. And so I know I've had loved ones in my life who have passed away, and so I'm going to submit those names. You all probably have people as well. I know that we've lost even folks that were part of our church, and we're just going to read that list of names and speak those names aloud to give honor um, to those folks who have meant so much to us. And so if there's someone you would like to include in that reading, then we really need you all to let us know. And so you can uh, email 
Um, Rachel, I believe, is who you can email, um, and her email is in uh, the announcements, rachel at embraceyourcity.com. Does that sound good? You can also write it down on a Connect card and make it clear that's what that is and put it in a box over there um, or in the back on your way out, and that will be another way to get that to us if you would prefer. Does that sound good? Does it all make sense? All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to spend just a few moments in prayer, and like we've been doing each week for the last few weeks, um, the altar is going to be open if you'd like to come kneel uh, when you pray. No pressure on that, but I know some folks have appreciated being willing to come and kind of kneel at the altar and, and engage their body in prayer. So I'm going to kneel here at the altar. I'm going to create some space for silence for you all just to kind of breathe and be reminded that God's here to pray whatever prayers you need in your heart this morning. And then after that, I'll, I'll pray a prayer on behalf of us, and then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Um, like I've said before, pay attention to the words of the Lord's Prayer. This version that we're using may be slightly different than one you grew up saying because there's like about three different versions that uh, different traditions use. And so um, I'm going to kneel here at the altar. I invite anyone who would like to join me to come on up, and I'll just give us some space to be quiet as we prepare our hearts to hear from God. Perhaps your morning has been fairly chaotic leading up to this point. Maybe your kids have just kind of gone off to the wonder room and you need a, some space just to settle. Your mind's not quite there to pray yet. Maybe you just want to breathe. Breathe in and out. Be reminded of God's life-giving presence. He's moving all around us and even inside of us this morning. Lord, this morning we gather together and we have already sung your praises this morning. We've declared how powerful you are, how you desire to give blessing to us. We've sang of your joy that you can, and happiness that you can give us. We've sang of your great and overwhelming and reckless love that you have for us. God, we just want to say thank you, Lord. We just want to praise you this morning and lift you up, Lord. You are good. You are good, and your promises, Lord, are so good. And we pray, Lord, that we could come face to face with the almighty and powerful God this morning, that we would be 
able to see you, Lord, the God who is always greater, the God who is always greater than anything this world might throw at us. We pray that as we sing your praises, we could even be lifted up. Lifted up to see the bigger picture, to see things the way you do, Lord, that we could borrow your eyes this morning and see ourselves and see one another in our world the way you do, Lord. That we could have a bigger vision than the hell that we're seeing right now in front of us. That we could see something better. That we could have holy and creative imagination to see another way from the just hate-filled violence that we see all around us each and every day. God, we need you so, so much. We pray today that you would meet us in this moment, that you would reassure us that, that you are good and that you have a plan and that you will come again. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. This morning we bring with us joys and sorrows. We bring with us Praise and protest. We bring with us gratitude and lament, Lord. We are living in this great tension, this tragic gap between the world that we know that we can see one day, but the world we actually see right now in front of us. And we see so much goodness, but we see so much heartache. And God, we pray that you would be extra close to us as we stand and courageously act in this tragic gap that we live in. Lord, this week my heart is heavy uh, for people who are suffering loss this week, grieving the, the loss of loved ones. We know the grief process is up and down, back and forth. It can be very long and sometimes never really leaves. And so we pray for those who are grieving the loss of people in their lives, even this week and in and, and the weeks and months uh, that have led us to this moment. Be their comfort. Be their friend. God, my heart is also just heavy for just all the, the people who are afraid of, of violence right now. We pray and lament against political violence that we continue to see right here in our own country and many places all across our world. We pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters who many of them are just really struggling uh, with much of the anti-Semitic hatred that they're hearing and seeing and, and experiencing being revived even today in America. And God, we lament that, Lord. God, we lament just the, the suffering that many people in many countries all across our world are facing each and every moment of the day. Pray for our folks, missionaries who are serving in different places throughout the world. For Ryan and Amanda as they serve in Honduras and continue to face personal challenges as a family as they work towards the adoption. For Tatiana, we also pray, Lord, for them as they continue to just be parents, as they continue to stretch out their hands and embrace and love those who are really struggling right now in a country that is facing much turmoil. We pray for Sally in Costa Rica as she continues to, to just work tirelessly all the time to love those folks um, that she encounters. We also pray for Mark and Kenzie as they continue to, to just do your work um, and, and continue to reach out and love those in their lives as well and for their family. Lord, we're so grateful that our embrace and our, our DNA is spread all throughout the world. 
God, today we, we need your guiding hand. We need you to just rest upon us. We pray your Holy Spirit would work in us and through us as we continue to do your work, as we continue to try to love others and as we continue to try to love ourselves and, and be healthy and whole and, and fully integrated people, Lord, help us to continue on that journey with courage and to do what we need to do this week, to partner with you, to see ourselves in this world redeemed. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there with us. Now we can join together and pray uh, this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray a long time ago and, and this prayer that people have been praying ever since. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for spending some time in prayer each week. This has been a, a meaningful time for me to carve out a moment just to, to connect with God. And, and I hope that it's been meaningful for you all. So last week, uh, I finally got around to reading this article that had kind of been shared around social media uh, maybe a month ago or so, but it was written by John Wall, um, former UK basketball player, one of my favorites, actually. He was awesome. Um, but he's also a current, an NBA player right now. And in his article, it, it, was, it was shared a lot because he was so real and he was so authentic about some struggles he's had over the last few years. And in the article, uh, John Wall describes this kind of long, dark season in his life where he kind of lost sight of who he was. He lost track of himself. You know, everybody would assume that an NBA player with all this fame and talent um, and notoriety would be pretty happy and, and ha kind of have a fulfilled life. That's what most people would assume. Though he said that all the money and fame didn't mean anything because he didn't have peace in his life. He lost his mother, uh, who had a, was kind of this steady force in his life, who kept him grounded. Our mothers are also usually pretty good people to remind us who we are, to keep us connected to our past, and also help us have courage to enter into the future. His mother reminded him of who he was, apart from all the money and the fame and the basketball. And he describes this long journey, of kind of rediscovering himself going to therapy and just digging in and, and finding support and ultimately finding peace in his life. And I want to ask you all a question this morning. Have you ever felt like you lost yourself? Have you ever felt like you kind of just lost yourself? That, that maybe you got to a point in your life when you looked in the mirror and you didn't really recognize the person who you were seeing, the person that you had become. Or maybe you started living your life in such a way that just kind of slowly just became like really out of sync with your values and like who you really want to be. I've worked with young people for, for many, many years, and, and I remember when I was young, this is, this is just a hard season of life, and often like, you know, we're making decisions about where we're going to go when we're that age, and, and, and I know that that's often a struggle for young people to kind of even figure out who they are, and then it's very easy to kind of get off course and forget kind of who you want to be in your life. And, and it's true for all of us of all ages. If you're like me, then you may be prone 
to kind of get off course sometimes. Do you ever kind of just get off track and you're like, man, I'm not feeling like I'm on the right path right now. For me, it's kind of the stress and the busyness, the anxieties of life and ministry and the problems of life. I am prone to get very overwhelmed by them all. They can become kind of all-consuming. Laura and I, we've discovered that we need over the summer some extended time off every single year because I need to just step back and I need to take some time away to kind of refocus, to recalibrate, to realign myself and rediscover who I am. And ultimately to be reminded that I have value and worth apart from any career or salary or role in my community, that I have value and worth apart from my successes and my failures. Ultimately, I need to be reminded that I am a beloved child of God, that I am a follower of Jesus, and that is enough, right? That's what defines me. That's what keeps me grounded. And we sang that song about how much God loves us. And if we truly believe that we were loved that much... (laughs) then it would provide the foundation we need to enter this, all the challenges without the fear that's going to paralyze us and keep us from moving forward. Today we're going to look at a story about a man who kind of lost his way. (laughs) He forgot who he was, and he needed to be brought back to his true identity. It's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. Have you all heard of Zacchaeus before? Um, He was a Jewish man. And he was also a chief tax collector collaborating with the oppressive Roman Empire. I want to set the stage for our story before I read it, all right? So Jesus, back in Luke chapter 9, we've been in Luke almost the entire year. Back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And that, what that did is that initiated this long, kind of back and forth, roundabout journey of Jesus traveling towards his fate in Jerusalem. We are finally coming to the end of his journey in Luke chapter 19. In the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 18, it says that Jesus approached Jericho, which is a city about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. So he's getting close. He's almost there, just 12 miles away. Now in chapter 19, he's entered Jericho, and he's passing through on his way to Jerusalem. And this is where our story picks up for today. All right, and just a warning before we read it, this is another story about money, all right? It's another story about wealth, about economics and the way we handle resources and our wealth. I was talking with uh, Christina and Rachel on Thursday, and, and I said to, to both of them, I was like, you know, I've talked a lot about money lately in my sermons. I was like, maybe people are tired of it, and I should just not do that this week. And then we all agreed, though, that we got to keep talking about it because Jesus keeps bringing it up. And so hopefully when you think of the Gospel of Luke, you will think of money and wealth and Jesus' teachings on these things because you can't get around it in Luke. Luke talks about economic justice more than any of the Gospels, and it's all over the place. Jesus won't stop telling stories about it. He won't stop talking and teaching about it. And so I think if Jesus is going to keep bringing it up, And we got to talk about it here. All right, so blame Jesus, not me. So let me read the story. That should be my motto. Blame Jesus, not me. Just kidding. That could get unhealthy quickly. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to read the text. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. 
And this may be a, a, a popular, this is kind of a popular story, and, and you may have preconceived notions about what it's about going into it. So I want you all to ch- try to check those at the door and just be open to wherever God may lead you this morning and what God may want you to see or hear as we read this text. So Jesus entered Jericho, 12 miles outside of Jerusalem, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short and could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. So there are three characters in this story. You have Zacchaeus, Jesus, and the crowd. All right, we're going to call the crowd a character. Because in the, in the Gospels, the crowds are kind of, they kind of are a character. They have their own kind of way of doing things. We know how crowds often work. They work very similarly, similarly in the Gospels. They kind of move about. They follow Jesus. They're not quite committed, but they're interested. And they like the fame. They like all that. And so they're following around Jesus, who's kind of getting a lot of um, attention. So Jesus entered Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. The text tells us that he was passing through, but he still had time for a life-changing encounter with this man named Zacchaeus. Immediately, this made me wonder about all the times I'm passing through from one thing to another, and it made me wonder, do I take the time to notice the people on my path as I'm passing through, or do I just press on through and miss important experiences along the way, right? I'm very prone to do that. Jesus didn't just pass on through. We're introduced to a man named Zacchaeus. Now, you've probably heard of Zacchaeus uh, before if you've grown up in church. Uh, There's a terrible song about him that I learned as a child that referred to him as a wee little man. This song does not give an accurate representation of who Zacchaeus was. We know a few things about Zacchaeus from the text. He was a Jew, he was a chief tax collector, and he was a wealthy man. All right? He was much more than just a wee little man. All of these facts actually are very important to the story. I want to remind you about tax collectors. It's interesting that last week was a story about a tax collector as well. This week is another story about a tax collector. And not just any tax collector, a chief tax collector. I want you all to remember that tax collectors were not well liked among Jewish people in the first century. It's obvious why they wouldn't be liked. 
They were viewed as sellouts or traitors who were working with the enemy and making money by taking advantage of their own people. The Roman Empire was in charge during that time. They were living under the rule of this occupying force. And so Jewish people that time, they were having to pay taxes to Rome to fund the empire. That's kind of how Rome worked. It was an extraction economy. They would take over all these surrounding places and extract, extract resources from the conquered nations. And one way they did that was by land taxes, taxes on produce, taxes on a lot of things. And these were often oppressive taxes, not like many that we pay today just to kind of fund government and have society work. This was like pretty oppressive stuff going on. And so they would go and they would recruit local people in these conquered nations to help them collect those taxes. And so they would go to Israel and they would recruit Jewish people and say, hey, we'll pay you and you can collect taxes and we're not going to ask any questions about how you collect taxes. And so many of these folks would go out and they would maybe... Maybe they're supposed to collect $5 for each person. Maybe they collect $8 for each person. What are they doing with the extra three? They're putting it in their pocket, right? They're getting rich off the backs of their own people. Everyday poor working folks. And so these tax collectors, needless to say, uh, were not very well liked because Jews didn't like it that, that their own people were taking advantage of them and working with the oppressive kind of occupying force. So Zacchaeus was one of these tax collectors, but he had risen up not just to be a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. He was resourceful. He was business-minded, right? He likely had minions working for him, going throughout Jericho, collecting taxes and bringing their profits back to him. And so he was actually collecting lots of money. And it says that he was a wealthy man. And so this was working for him financially. Also, Jericho was a very important city during that time. It was near the Jordan River. It had very fertile farmland. It was near the major city of Jerusalem. And so in Jericho, there would have been a lot of taxes to collect, a lot of money to be made. And so this explains Zacchaeus' wealth. He was a rich man because of his lucrative profession of being a chief tax collector. There was a chance he was kind of notorious in that area, known as someone who could not be trusted. So for whatever reason, Zacchaeus, he wanted to know who Jesus was. He, he wanted to see him. He wanted to know what this guy was about. Maybe, maybe he had like bad moves. Maybe he's doing surveillance. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to see who this guy, revolutionary figure coming through his town was. That could have been part of it. Who knows? Uh, perhaps he was intrigued just by all the commotion that was going on, the crowds following this man. Maybe he had heard about Jesus, and, and maybe he wanted a way out of this kind of profession that had him kind of shackled down to an unjust way of living in the world. Maybe he heard Jesus was a guy who could give him freedom, and he wanted to meet Jesus and be set free. We don't know what his motives were, but we know he was on a quest to know who Jesus was. But he encountered a problem. The crowds around Jesus were so great that he could not see Jesus. It is possible the crowds were intentionally kind of keeping him out, right? Because they know who Zacchaeus was, probably. They didn't, maybe didn't like Zacchaeus. Because of his reputation, his profession, they were hindering him from getting to Jesus. Makes me wonder the people maybe I've hindered from getting to Jesus. The text also says that he was short. Now, an interesting fact here, and we're not going to get into it too much, but I find it interesting. The Greek here is actually really unclear who is short in this situation. 
It could have been saying that Jesus was actually the short one, and that's why Zacchaeus couldn't see him. Because you could see a crowd there. If Jesus is short, you're not going to see him over the crowd. So the Greek's not clear. There's actually could also be saying that Zacchaeus was young and has nothing to do with his height. Um, and so it just shows you sometimes our, inter- our translations that we're reading are often interpretations of something, and it's not clear, and so the writers have to make a de- or the interpreters have to make a decision on kind of what direction they're going to go. All we know, though, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter all that much, but all we know is that Z- Zacchaeus needed to climb a tree in order to get a good view of Jesus. I find it interesting that Zacchaeus, the notorious chief tax collector, with all this power in Jericho, climbed a tree in that way. Kids kind of are the ones who climb trees, right? This is a a grown man who's kind of very notorious and powerful, climbing up a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. That could have been a bit humiliating and embarrassing for him. So I think he really wanted to see Jesus. So while in the tree, uh, Jesus finally caught up to Zacchaeus, and instead of just passing on by, he saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he went over to Zacchaeus in the tree, he called him by name, and I I wonder, how did he know his name? He knew Zacchaeus' name, and he told him to come down immediately. And then he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house And Zacchaeus uh, did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He got out of the tree quickly, and he welcomed Jesus into his home gladly. He was really excited of having Jesus over to his place. Now, Zacchaeus was full of joy when he had to have Jesus over. He was happy. It says he did it gladly, but not everybody else. Luke tells us that all the people grumbled. They complained that Jesus would go into Zacchaeus' home. They said, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, this was not about purity laws or any of that. This was that he was a sinner because he was hurting the Jewish people, and they did not like him because of the way he was engaging in his business. And so they did not think Jesus would hang out with somebody like that and certainly not go into his home. And so that makes sense they would be angry that he was going over there. Zacchaeus was the enemy, the traitor, the sellout who was getting rich off their backs. You know, this crowd loved, it shows you kind of how the crowds often work. They love following Jesus around, but apparently they hadn't learned very much from him up until that point. (laughs) Jesus had shown them over and over and over again that he wasn't playing by their rules and that God's love extended to everyone, including tax collectors, yet they couldn't see clearly yet. They didn't have the eyes of God. Zacchaeus was so impacted by this encounter with Jesus, and maybe he was impacted by the way the crowd responded. Maybe he had a moment of clarity when he saw what they thought of him. But regardless of why, in that moment, he did something incredibly radical, something shocking, something outrageous and unexpected. You know, sometimes I look at people and I think, there's no way they can ever change. (laughs) Y'all probably thought that recently. I think, man, they're so far gone. Like, they are so corrupted by money and power and greed. They can never change. Texts like this should cause us to think differently. Because Zacchaeus went through a major life transformation. Zacchaeus declared in that moment he was going to make some big changes to the way he did his business. He committed from that point on 
He says, right now, I pledge, I will do this. I'm giving away half of my possessions to the poor. And not only that, if I've cheated anybody, Jesus is probably thinking, if you cheated anybody, of course you cheated someone. He said, I'll do the research. If I've cheated anyone, right, I'm going to pay them back. I'll pay them back what I cheated them. And not only that, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated them out of. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be long term, but like, that's what he was committing to doing. Maybe it shows how much wealth he really did have. This chief tax collector in Jericho who had been stealing from his people, getting rich off the backs of the poor and everyday folks, was going to start giving away half of his wealth to the poor and even was going to give reparations to those that he had harmed? That's crazy. Jesus then told him after this, he said, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus, a Jew, a son of Abraham, beloved and chosen by God, had lost his way. In the previous chapter, uh, Jesus healed a blind man, just in the story right before this. And I think that Luke is showing us there's two stories about blind folks. One folk was blind because he was poor and he needed Jesus to heal him. And he had suffered because the society had not helped him. Zacchaeus was on the other side of it. Zacchaeus was also blind. And he needed to see. He needed to be healed. He couldn't see with God's eyes anymore. He had lost track of his identity as someone called by God to bless others, not cheat others. He had lost track of the fact that he was created in God's image. Called to share God's peace and love and justice with the people in his community. He had lost track of his commitment to love and serve God, not love and serve wealth and power. He had lost himself and he was far away from home. Yet he met Jesus and Jesus called him home. Jesus reminded him who he was. And when Zacchaeus remembered who he was, when he remembered who he was, he could no longer live the way he had been living. You know, I love that that, that Jesus called him a son of Abraham. He said, you are a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was a Jew, a son of Abraham. Yet he had aligned himself with the Romans and got all wrapped up in the exploitation and the oppression and all the messed up practices of the Roman Empire. Today I would say that many Christians have gotten all wrapped up in America and capitalism and power and we've forgotten that we follow Jesus, <laughs> who was a poor brown Jewish man who lived in Palestine. As a son of Abraham, a Jew called by God, Zacchaeus should have been sharing his resources. He should have been caring for the poor. This is what the Jews were taught to do. This was part of their faith. He should have been trusting in God's faithfulness, not worshiping idols, working for peace and shalom in Jericho. But instead, he was building up his own wealth and power, taking advantage of others and doing violence and harm to his neighbors in Jericho. Yet, when he met Jesus, he was reminded who he really was. Underneath of all the bad mistakes, the bad decisions, the hurt he had caused others and himself. And when Jesus called him back to himself, to his true identity in God, he had no choice but to change the way he lived in the world. For Zacchaeus, he had to be a different type of tax collector from that point on. A tax collector who was committed to economic justice and care for other people. He had lost his way in his pursuit of wealth and power, but Jesus called him back.
home. I think this story is powerful. This story is power for each and every one of us. This story is power for change. This story is power to realign ourselves with the purposes of God. It is power to leave behind the idols that we have of our day. Of money, of privilege, of whiteness, of greed, of selfishness, of pride, of anger. Because of Jesus, those of us who have given ourselves to Him are all sons and daughters of Abraham. We actually have been adopted into God's family through what Jesus did on the cross and through his life. Now we all belong to God as well. And from there, from that point, everything else in our life ought to flow. When we see who we are in God, we know that everything must change. You know, it's interesting, very, very interesting. Right before this in chapter 18 of Luke, there's the story of the rich young ruler. Have y'all remember this story? It's also told in Mark as well. And so a wealthy and powerful man comes to Jesus and he's wanting salvation. He's like, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was able to see what this man had going in his life. And he said, well, if you want to get get a part of the kingdom of God, you're going to have to sell your possessions. You're going to have to start giving to the poor. And now, if y'all know the story, you know that the rich man went away sad because he had all the possessions and he wasn't willing to part with any of it. And so it's an interesting story. And Jesus says after that, he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He says it's in fact easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's very hard, right? But then right after that, he says, but all things are possible with God. Now the story of Zacchaeus comes right after that. And it is an example of a wealthy person who was all wrapped up in money and power who found salvation and was actually able to enter into the kingdom of God. And he did it by remembering who he was and then responding with economic justice and redistribution of all the excess that he had. Through his radical, reckless, and bold actions, he he was set free. He was able to be set free. Zacchaeus could not be the same kind of tax collector after he met Jesus and remembered who he was in God. He had to change. He may have not been able to survive as a tax collector much longer after that, if that's the way he's going to do business now, giving away half of all his income, right? Repaying people that kind of amount. But the point is that he, was a, he knew he had to shift in that moment because he became face-to-face with who God was and who he was in his relationship to God. Just like any of us, you can't be the same kind of business owner after you discover your identity as a child of God. You can't be the same mom or the same dad as you were before once you discover who you are in God. You can't be the same employee, the same girlfriend, the same boyfriend or investor or server or bartender or writer or student or son or daughter. Our identity as children of God who are deeply loved and called to a great purpose ought to influence the way we do our lives, the way we live our lives here in this world. You are loved by God. You are a child of God. And Jesus has called each and every one of us to follow Him and to work with Him in this world, to build families and communities and businesses and cities and organizations that are healthy and whole and committed to love and compassion and justice. So Zacchaeus is an example to me of someone who was able to see that and was able to see that he had lost track of who he was, that he was 
loved and called by God. He was part of God's family. (laughs) And once he realized it, everything had to change. So maybe you feel like you've lost sight of who you are. You've lost your way. My hope is that you can experience Jesus today and be reminded of who you are and then be led like Zacchaeus to shed anything and to make changes and to do what you need to do to kind of push away those things that are getting in the way of you living into the fullness of who you are in Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion this morning, and we do this each week. And and this ought to be a fairly radical thing that we do because we're reflecting on Jesus and what he did and, and what he gave for us. Jesus came and lived and worked in this world in such a way where a few people really loved it and, and were on board and, and they wanted to be a part of what he was doing, but a whole lot of other people grumbled, a lot of other people complained, and then there was actually a good group of people who actually wanted to, to take his life because they did not want that kind of light and that kind of love circulating throughout their communities and, and causing people like Zacchaeus to radically change the way they were living their lives. Because when something like that happens in Zacchaeus' life, that kind of almost in many ways like holds that uncomfortable mirror to other tax collectors to say, well, if he's doing that, that makes me look bad, right? But Jesus was going and causing up all this trouble because he was leading people to start living in such a way that was so counterintuitive, so countercultural, so apart from the way that, that things were being done in his day. And Jesus modeled for us how to live our lives. He lived in such a way, so committed to love and truth and justice and peace and all the good things that we read about in Scripture that ultimately, like, they tried to snuff out the light. They tried to put it out. And and we're all implicated in that because we've all tried to, to, to push God out of our lives as well and ignore the truth and ignore the justice that God is calling us to work towards in our world. And so we come to the table each week to share communion and we're reminded of Jesus and what He represents and it ought to be a sobering truth, you know, that, that you know, we, we can't ignore these radical things like Zacchaeus turning his life around in this way in Scripture because we serve and follow Jesus Christ. He was a, a very radical teacher who called us to, to live a life of radical love and, and compassion and goodness. And the, the really neat thing for us is that there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's love. Jesus is inviting us to join him. Um, And you don't have to have it all figured out right away. But he's inviting you to continue to press into his way that he's laid out before us in this world. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Maybe you just want to think for a moment, what about this story of Zacchaeus stood out to you? Jesus intentionally sought out this man had a life-changing encounter in front of all the crowd. Luke decided to put it in his gospel and tell us this story for a reason, so that we could be impacted. So what is God speaking to you?
God, we come to you this morning just grateful that you are with us. We're grateful that you didn't stay, you know, up in heaven apart from us, that you were willing to come and, and be born into, the, into a poor family in the town of Bethlehem, a despised and forgotten place, grew up in Nazareth, a place nobody wanted to go to. You walked among us. You lived in this world. You put on human flesh to show us 100% what life ought to be about. To make it abundantly clear kind of what the path towards redemption looks like. We have real life examples of you crossing boundaries and reaching out to others. Going into homes people said you shouldn't have gone into, inviting people to join your movement that people would have said shouldn't have been invited to join. We have your teachings, we have your miracles, we have all the things. And not only that, you, you came and you, you gave up your life to show us what true love is. And God, we praise your name. We lift you up, Lord, the resurrected Lord who didn't, didn't stay dead, Lord. And we praise you that you have given us access to that resurrection power so that we too may rise up from our graves, those places where we feel like we've fallen into a hole, that you give us a power, Lord, to come alongside of us and, and help us out so that we can stand firm and stand strong. We pray that we could stand firm on your foundation this morning. And God, you would give us the courage to, to do what we got to do to partner with you. That once we remember who we are, that we are loved by you, 100%. Lord, allow that to give us the courage to enter this world unafraid. To share, to, to be compassionate, to let go of the the change that we've kind of put on ourselves, allow, holding us back from being the true disciples, full of joy that you have invited us to be. Got to pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and juice that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that you would fill us up this morning in a fresh way, that we would leave here different because we've encountered you, the living God. Jesus, we need you so much. Thank you for being near to us, and thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I invite you all, if you'd like to share this with me, those of you who are worshiping at home, y'all can uh, get out whatever food you've set aside for this purpose and whatever drink as well. And I encourage you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. You can take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We're just going to close with a song, and so I invite you as you're able, and if you are interested, you can stand, and you're more than welcome to stay seated or come kneel at the altar, whatever you need to do at the end of the service just to connect with God and to process what God's doing in your heart right now. Um, we're going to close with a song. So let's all stand together and close with this song together.
Amen. Well, thank you all so much for being here today. Um, my hope is that God spoke to you in some way and that you kind of take it and wrestle with whatever God's doing in your heart this morning, that you talk to some friends about it, you know, like write about it, whatever you need to do to hold on to whatever good thing God is doing in your heart or life this week. We're very, very prone to remember all the negative things uh, and forget all the good things, and that's just how our brains are for some reason, and so we have to work extra hard to hold on to the good stuff. So my hope is that y'all can hold on to it this week as you go throughout your weeks. Um, a couple of quick things before you leave. Um, there are Connect cards in your pews if you're visiting with us um, or you got prayer requests or you need to get in touch with us. I love when y'all fill these out. You can put them in either box by the doors. If you'd like to make a, a financial uh, offering to the church this morning, uh, then you can do that in those boxes as well or online on our website, EmbraceYourCity.com. And then just remember the couple of things I shared. This coming Saturday is the All Saints Day open mic. If you want to participate, um, let us know. Sign up for that. And then also we have the survey that we would love uh, for you all to fill out online. If you really need a paper copy, we have those for you. You can use that too. So if you all prepare your hearts for the benediction, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace.